I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, my beautiful people? This is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas, and this is Cowboys Talk. Let me reintroduce Mr. John Alcorn. John, it has been too long, my friend. It has been a long time. We did an episode about a year ago on yours on Skype, and then that was... That was really cool, and uh, we can actually do it face to face. Face to face, and on Streamyard, Skype is a thing of the past, and I'm done with the past. This is about the future, and it is time to recap the game between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. Uh, the first thing I got, I gotta confess is I missed the first quarter, unfortunately. But from what I'm told, uh, the first quarter it was a stinker for both Dallas fans and for New York fans. When you talk about for the just any team, Alex or people that are going to see this in the future, talk about the worst luck possible. Your two top receivers, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones. So you literally have Mike Glennon for most of this game, and I believe towards the end of the first quarter, being your starting quarterback. This is Mike Glennon, the guy with the giraffe neck, the guy that three year contract with the Bears in 2017. How did that work out? And so it's the worst luck possible. Jones is questionable for next week. So it's Barkley, Galladay, Shepard. And so they practically had nobody on offense. Well, speaking of Mike Lennon, yeah, he went to the Bears. Let's keep in mind, the Bears paid him. So he got a payday to do almost nothing. But, you know, from what I'm told, Saquon Barkley got hurt. Like, you know, and the way he got – I mean, I saw the replays. Like, Jesus. I mean, that's – <laughs> That's painful to see. I mean, from what I'm told, you know, the ankle was swollen. But, you know, you mentioned before, coming to this game, there was no Darius Slayton, no Sterling Shepard. You know, Jabril Peppers was already out. You know, the Giants, you know, the injury bug had just bitten them big time. But this game, things just got worse. You know, again, Saquon Barkley got out early on. And then, you know, and then soon, you know, Daniel Jones and then Kenny Galladay. And Jesus. <laughs> I mean, what's left of this New York team? There's nothing left of it now. The problem is, and I said this even right when Barkley got drafted, one of my friends, Dylan Glad, is that the way Saquon Barkley is as a running back, he's going to get injured a lot in the NFL. He's not going to be available for a lot of games. He's not going to start all 16 games for you again and again and again. He's not going to be a Frank Gore. He's not going to be an Adrian Peterson. He's not be a spoiled with guys like Chris Johnson, so many great running backs over the years. And then you have a guy who's he's interesting, but the problem is he's 15K rates, like 35 yards, and he busts one out for 40 or 50. But then your team is down five, ten plus points, and so it's just he's been injured time and time again. Happened in college, it's happened in the NFL. And if you're the Giants now, this offseason, you either are you double down on Daniel Jones and you pay Saquon Barkley, or you restart on that whole thing again. Even though Joe Judge is third year in the NFL, it's a heck of a for the Giants next year. That is a very good question, Mr. Alcorn. And I think at this point, it's safe to say that Saquon Barkley is on his way to becoming one of the biggest what-if stories of today's generation in the NFL. And even as a Cowboys fan, that's that's sad. I mean, I'm be honest. I'm not the Cowboy fan I was. You know, I'm more objective now because of my uh, occupation. But you know, going to this game, I refuse to look at the Giants as a horrible team. I mean, the Giants came in as a one and three team, but the Giants had a pretty good offense. We saw that last week against New Orleans. Everybody loves to 
point out the fact that Daniel Jones is a turnover machine, but lately that has not been the problem. You know, all these people just, you know, e even on my show doing the preview, I had to point out that the Giants are a dangerous team regardless of their record. I mean, the record really doesn't say too much, but, I mean, they did, in fact, actually kind of embarrass the Cowboys in some way in, in this game. You know, Daniel Jones at first you know, was actually honestly being the, the better quarterback. I mean, the de uh, Cowboys defense was kind of holding on, but... What's sad to go back to Saquon Barkley is, you know, I was looking forward to see this game, Saquon Barkley versus Micah Parsons, two Penn State graduates, you know, who know each other very well, playing for opposing teams, but it's, it's, it's unfortunate that this had to happen, but, you know, going early in this game, again, I missed the first quarter, but from what I'm told is Dak Prescott kind of led the team down the field, but then on a fourth, uh, on a fourth and, and down, uh, he threw a, an interception. He did. And that's at first you're like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Dak's gotta start throwing interceptions, and then the defense loses confidence, just like some people, like just like when you try to date in high school with that one girl, and it, it, that was unfortunate. But again, uh, Dak is back. I mean, I'll be, I'll be I'll be honest. Dak has really been making me eat my words because I've been doubting Dak. You know, everybody knows I've been burying him. I was not, I was not in favor of paying him. But you know what, you know. But Dak's really been making me eat my words because when Dak's healthy, I mean, this is a better Dak. I mean, this is probably the – Dak came in in better shape, more motivated than ever. And, you know, when you have such a gruesome injury like he had, I mean, of course, you're going to work hard to come back stronger than ever. And I'm looking at Dak's numbers, 22 for 32, 302 yards, three touchdowns and one pick. You know, we see when Dak Prescott is healthy and the offensive line is doing good, you know, we can see what Dak can do because I've said this many times. It's about teamwork. I mean, that's the only way to do it. It's teamwork. No man should have to carry the team. And from the Cowboys on this one, a very balanced passing game, a very good running game, you know, even though there was a lot of hiccups. But the defense, now the Cowboys defense, there's still too many problems going on. You know, the secondary is still getting torched. Today, one of the biggest problems is we didn't sack the quarterback, although we did force two interceptions. And, you know, I'm a little bit concerned because – I'll be honest, dude. Mike Lennon, Mike Lennon did torch us. You know, I mean, Mike Lennon did play pretty good. I mean, you know, he had those two picks, but you know, I guess the bottom line is this Cowboys secondary. You know, they came this game second worst in the league, so obviously there's still some criticism to be put. But now that I'm looking, you know, our offense had you know, over 500 yards, but we still allowed nearly almost 400 yards. We allowed 367 to be precise. So. This Cowboys defense is still, you know, I mean, it's doing better than it did last year, obviously, but there's still, there's still some things to be worried about. But that's all. Unfortunately, that's always going to be the case with with the Dallas offense. There's always going to be something. I wouldn't, just in my opinion, I wouldn't say that because up until this point, the Dallas defense was game plan against Daniel Jones. So now all of a sudden, you have to game plan for a guy that has a three foot giraffe, giraffe neck, like Mike Glennon who they didn't really prepare for. So now what do you what's your defense supposed to do on the fly? You can't take a ten to thirty minute or two hour timeout to be hey, this is how we game plan against Mike Glenn. Another example we people were saying Geno Smith balled out last week. It's Geno Smith balled out last week. But also they didn't they weren't game playing against them. They weren't having these type of defense for them. I'm not saying Dallas defense is, is great though, but again you're a corner guy I have day second six picks up here, man. This guy 
definitely all pro, pro bowl future potential for his foul if he keeps at least 50% of what he's doing right now. But when you don't game, have time to game plan against one guy, yeah, he's going to look like that. We come next week or the week after, Mike Lennon's not going to be playing with that. Mike Lennon's going to turn into the 2014 or 2015 Mike Lennon. You know, that based on how you just said that, if Mike Lennon does not work out, so my question is, are the Giants going to give Cam Newton a call? I mean, if they, I would not. I mean, even if, if I were them, I would not go with Cam Newton. Cam Newton is – there's really nothing left of the guy. They won't because there are certain rules in the NFL that the NFL has put in place due to what they know, what they feel to be safe. And so for maybe that, one of those reasons, probably not. We won't say what it is, but people can do the math. Yeah. I, the I think also, Kim Newton, I mean, you can say what you say about last year and not have luck, but Kim Newton, his whole career has never been accurate. And if you have questions about Nate Soder's switching to like right tackle or nose tackle, and you have questions about the offensive line, you're bringing in a veteran quarterback who's been consistently hit. I mean, what do you do? Let's say Galladay and Barkley comes back. Barkley's not going to be 100%. Galladay's not going to be 100%. Even Dan Jones at his best is he'll have a good game or two, and then he'll have a, uh, a uh, what do you call it, a Nathan Peterman type of game. So I don't know. At this point, Giants, you're, you're kind of screwed because if he's out two to three-plus games and Dallas offense keeps doing this, I mean, I don't know. If you look at Dallas, I won't freak out, though, because if you compare the numbers, until this Chiefs game is over, uh, Dak Prescott only has one less touchdown than Mahomes. Dak Prescott, until this game is over, has more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes before this game tonight. So I wouldn't freak out just yet. Again, I'm not a Dallas fan. It's like Christmas when they lose, but let's just take it uh, one game at a time. <laughs> so I like how you remind, yeah, you're not a Dallas fan, but you know, <laughs> you, you, you know your stuff, and I, and I like that, but – no, speaking of Daniel, I mean, you know, I'm going to tell you, when Daniel Jones got hurt, I saw people on Twitter laughing at him. I'm just like, what the hell is wrong with, with people? Do you have any – people don't know how bad a concussion is. They just think it's a headache. I mean, I mean, the way Daniel Jones looked dazed, I mean, I don't want – in no way, shape, or form am I trying to poke, phone, uh, po poke fun at this, but you know how in this cartoons when somebody gets hit in the head in a cartoon, there's stars around, his, around their head? Jones really looked like he got hit so hard. I mean – I'll be honest, he looked like he had no idea where he was. And for people to, on the internet to laugh at him, I'm like, well, of course, you know, they're real brave. They get they can trash talk hiding behind a computer screen. But, you know, the bottom line is laughing at somebody, look, I get it, he's a giant. We don't like the giants. But, you know, when it comes to somebody's health and and a concussion, I mean, maybe, some people just don't know what a concussion is. Like I said, they just think it's a simple headache. Like, no, concussions have long-lasting effects, like effects that are most likely permanent. So, I mean, the way he got hit, I mean... Some of the criticism says because that particular play that put Jones in that danger, I mean, I don't know if I want to place that on the Giants' play calling. I mean, maybe, but I mean, it, it, it just—it was just something that happened, and it's unfortunate that it happened. I can't say it shouldn't have happened because you know you call a play and something can go bad. It's just bad. It's it, it's just horrible that it happened. Something—it's horrible that it just happened. I mean, it was—it was preventable by Jones. I mean, he didn't have to play here or try to do anything dynamic. He could have. This is my bad. Like I don't know what kind of play calling the Giants were doing, but he could have at least tried to step out of bounds the best he could, or he threw the ball out of bounds. It would have been a flag, no problem, but he was trying to do something that he didn't need to do or do something that he wasn't really capable of doing. But you're right, and, but the problem is it doesn't matter what team it is. Like, I'm a Broncos fan, I'm a Longhorns fan, but I'm not going to root if uh, 
with Sam Rattler gets injured, if Daniel, if Patrick Mahomes has a torn ACL, you're not going to see me celebrating on calls, texts, or whoever I text. I, I'm not going to call like a Dean or my message somebody on social media. Hey, by the way, yes, Patrick Mahomes is injured. Yes, Dak Prescott is injured. Yes, Daniel Jones is or Jalen or even I don't like Tua. I think he's a bust. I think he's average. He's garbage. But I'm not going to celebrate when a guy gets hurt because that separates the real fans from the fake fans. Like, you can't celebrate when somebody gets hurt because at that point, you should get your phone taken away. You should get out of your mom's basement. How about actually get into the real world here? Because I will never root for an arrival in football or basketball or anything for an injury. Even if you and I had a huge disagreement and somehow we stopped talking, I'm not going to I'm not gonna root against you. I'm going to continue to root for you regardless of whatever happens. Get have the situation, but no, I don't. I hopefully he's okay, but I would never root. I would never laugh at that. That's not a laughing matter. It's not. I mean, you know, and in my case, you know, of course, if I went on Twitter and then poked fun of the injury, I mean, you know, the, everybody knows I'm a sports writer. I mean, that's completely unethical of a sports writer to say that. So that would be a career killer. You know, I I, I did tweet. I says I I wanted confirmation that if Daniel Jones was was officially ruled out, and we didn't we didn't learn until halftime. Until after halftime, I believe Aaron Andrews actually confirmed that Joe Judge officially uh, listed him as out. But you know, I mean, I'm telling. I think you're. I think you're right. I mean, I can't say that Joe. Uh, that excuse me, that Daniel Jones took an unnecessary risk. It's, it's like I said, the situation. However, you want to phrase how it went, how it could have went. I just see it as something that's just unfortunate that it happened, no matter how it happened. But I mean. I was at first. I asked. That's weird because there was no flag for a hate on a defenseless on a defenseless player. I think the reason why the flag was not thrown was because Daniel Jones, like you mentioned, an unnecessary risk. Daniel Jones lowered his head. I think that's probably why the refs did not call mm-hmm. it. If he was probably like in the pocket and still eligible as a quarterback, I think that could have been a little bit different. But his head wasn't like this. You could see him diving for the touchdown yeah. at that point. It doesn't count as a targeting or roughing the passer, but at the same time, you talk about CT or concussions is unfortunately, folks. With that and CT, you can't test for that, unfortunately, until the player is dead. Yeah, so if Daniel Jones, you know, because he lowered his head, I mean, I'm not going to say it's his fault that happened. You know, I just think that Daniel Jones was such in a bad situation. He, I mean, playing the hero really has consequences. I mean, I, I can't throw the dude under the bus. It's like I said, the best way to do it is, it's just unfortunate that no matter how it happened, it's just unfortunate that it did. And, unf- and in the Cowboys case, you know, I said, well, okay, now Barkley's out, Galladay's out, Jones is out. There's no excuse for this team not to win. But, you know, going to this game, I thought that Dallas would win 38-28 because, like I said, I refuse to count Jones out. Even without these receivers, you know, there's a, the player John Ross, the former Washington football player who had a great game against the Saints. I said, well, this dude could actually break out. But, you know, and I'm looking, you know, at the running game, and one of the keys for Dallas was to run the ball effectively, and they did. And it was, it was, you know, Zeke Elliott, you know, my, my co-host, you know, had basically lost his religion with Zeke. I mean, he even went as far as calling Ezekiel Elliott a quitter. In my case, look, Zeke Elliott, there's times that where he has quit in games and has quit on certain plays, but overall, as a quitter, I'm not too sure. I, I mean... Either way, I mean, the last two games, Zeke Elliott has really proved himself. So whether you like the guy or not, there's no denying Zeke Elliott has proved himself in the last two games. But speaking of Zeke, there was actually a play that an injury scared. Do you remember that play where he, like, got pushed and then just fell and it kind of looked like he was down? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you you know that orange that little orange stick that's in the end zone. I think because you know when he fell, like he kind of landed on it. So I I think he just you know had the air knocked out of him, or maybe because you know when you fall on your back and there's something on the ground and it really hits you. I, I think that's the case. I mean Zeke, you know, came back in the game and scored, and there was that particular play that kind of annoyed me. Um, it's on a screen pass, and he catches it, and he kind of like does that waltz into the end zone. I'm like Zeke, don't do that. I mean, don't do anything until you get into the freaking end zone. Like, don't pull a Deshaun Jackson trick that ultimately fails. I mean, come on. Yeah, that was regardless if it's guaranteed. You can only do that in Madden and get away with it. But yeah, that <laughs> I, I I get being excited and get like, like I, I have no problem with being cognizant or any of that if you can guarantee the touchdown, guarantee he was but it wasn't at the same time as you saw with a ton of these games this entire season but that was definitely very stupid because anything could have happened you could have cramped the leg the ball could have came out like we see in the bills even other games and so that was very dumb because again i and this is the thing where i get frustrated i don't think zeke's a court like we don't know him and this is we're not gonna talk about this situation this is your show but we don't know if he's a quitter. We don't know if he gave up at some of these things. We don't know. We're talking about in terms of numbers. Yeah, it's not good. But, again, I don't know his mindset. So I'm not really going to comment on that because, again, exactly. I don't know him or anyone in this circle. Who am I to say? In terms of numbers, I can say that. But, in general, I don't know because I don't know him as a person. That's true. But, you know, for me, like, you know, you can call him a quitter or not. But, you know, obviously, Zeke, you know, ever since he got, ever since he got his payday, we have not seen the best of him, and you know, now that he's being paid, he's young. He still has a future ahead. You know, all right, the Cowboys gave you what you wanted, and now you, you got to deliver. And if he can keep doing that, then you know, there's no doubt that people are gonna have to turn into a believer. But you know, and and speaking of the running game, you know, this week, you know, Tony. I mean, Tony Pollard is really just, you know, with the Cowboys with the, with this two-headed monster, you know, with, with this running game like that, it, it's really turning out great, and. You know, Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott, you know, if my math is correct, you know, a, t- a total of a combined 185 yards on the game with both dudes averaging over five yards per carry. I mean, that that's amazing. And I said to myself, if the if the running game is effective, if it works, if, if you if there's more long runs and everything, just keep running it. Because, you know, you, it, it's about keeping the Cowboys defense off the field, so to speak. But speaking of the Cowboys defense, it's very disappointing that they were unable to sack the quarterback but there's one prediction that I got right. I mean, Trayvon Diggs mm-hmm. got another pick. Dude, this, this guy, like, I, even though I, I, like, the past three three weeks, I picked the Cowboys to win. You can, y'all can video check me on that one. But I, I like when players succeed and when they get excited. Like, this, he's turning into maybe, I'm not saying he's Deion Sanders, but a lot of times there's only a certain few defensive players in the league, no matter how many years they've been in the NFL work. You know, if you're over here, you know they can be able to jump up and get all the way over here. I mean, this guy has great awareness in and out from from the defensive point. And awesome, it's six interceptions on the year. He had, he's on chance to potentially uh, break the record. I can't remember the Cowboys player name, but it was 11 interceptions back in like 70s or 80s. I don't remember what year, but he's he's headed there. It's definitely exciting. You know, everybody's talking about how great Trayvon Diggs with his is with his hands and. And I did the research. I'm not surprised he's good at catching a ball. Like he used to be a wide receiver when he first started at the University of Alabama. He was actually a wide receiver. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how he converted him. I'm pretty sure Nick Saban, you know, probably converted him to a cornerback. I mean, whatever the reason, you know, his speed and everything. I would say they probably converted him because you know 
probably for him to, to guarantee you know playing time security. Maybe that maybe that's why. I mean, that's that's obviously a question we would have to ask either Nick Saban himself or Trayvon Diggs. And I'm sure if I have the chance, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to explain how he converted. But but Trayvon Diggs, I mean, he's got that speed. He's got you know the hands. You know, yeah, everybody's already making the comparisons to uh, to Deion Sanders. But I'm and I'm, I've been more like you know. He's been, you know, right now I want to say he's more like our, our Terrence Newman, you know, like that. But, you know, either way, it's a comparison, so I, I don't want to go too far. The bottom line is he's just making plays, and, and I believe that's six interceptions on the year. Six or seven. I've already lost count. It's six interceptions already, and at that pace, if it's what they're, they're what, Cowboys are 4-1 on the year, he's averaging one and a half interceptions per game over a pick per game. This guy should already he, – he, he's had my vote for all pro. In promo this year, and so he's definitely been. And that's saying because I don't like Dallas or defensive players because you have issues with others or defensive players for Dallas. But I give him full credit; he's playing phenomenal. He, he totally is. And this defense, you know, Micah Parsons, you know, Randy Gregory, you know, there, there, there's talent on this defense, and and Dan Quinn is doing a, a good job despite the fact you know the secondary is still struggling. But again, like I said, no matter what with the Cowboys, no matter how good. And Cowboys defense is there's always going to be a problem, but despite the fact that they get torched, you know that this defense still manages to pull through. But it's unfortunate for this game that the fact that we could not get a quarterback sack. I mean, that's pretty not only unacceptable, but that's pretty embarrassing too. I mean, against the Giants, but then again, I mean, the Giants' offensive line did come into this game pretty good. I mean, nobody wants, but no, but none of the critics, none of the critics that I know wanted to acknowledge that, but I did because it's the truth, and I just tell the truth. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily make a huge deal out of it. The point is, um, I wouldn't look at that stat as what happened last year with de- or multiple things with defenses. They weren't able to get really force any turnovers, at least consistently. And what we're seeing this year on Dallas, regardless of their opponents, they're forcing turnovers consistently. And I think that's a positive step. Moving forward, despite also remember he I believe, didn't he pick up Tom Brady week one? Yeah, he did. And, and he did. so that's I understand like not sacking the quarterback, but at the same time, I mean you got Michael Parsons. He's developed as a rookie. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, I think he needs to have a police warrant out for his arrest because he just randomly disappeared and or committed well, fraud because he's been he's, he broke his foot before week two. Exactly. So this guy is injury prone, but. I think there's a lot of positive sides to Dallas, though. They couldn't force a lot of turnovers last year consistently, and they're starting to slowly but surely the defense just get a little bit better. That pains me to say, but I can't. I mean, I have nothing but happiness for the team when a, when a team succeeds. I mean, speaking of Demarcus Lawrence, I'm not sure exactly the timetable. I would imagine, I don't know, but Neville Gallimore should be coming back pretty soon. I mean, because, you know, our defensive line is still depleted, but. Yeah, I mean, not getting the sack is not a big deal because we still won. But, you know, when, when it comes to being a Cowboys fan, you know, seeing the defense get some sacks, it's pretty freaking, you know, it, it, it's a good feeling. But, but uh, you know, we still won the game. So, you know, ho- hopefully next week against the Patriots, I mean, that's, I mean, if we don't sack back Jones, that's going to be a different story. But that's a story for another time. But, you know, speaking and, and going to the wide receiver core, you know, it's... You know, I always I keep worrying about Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper is fine. You know, he's playing banged up, so you know it's fine. But you know, it's, it was good to see Ceedee Lamb. You know, had four catches for eighty-four yards. You know, and and Dalton Schultz, this this dude just continues to impress. And you know, 
not long ago, you know, even last year, after Blake Jarwin went down and Dalton Schultz, you know, stepped up. And since then, even this year, you know, it's been all Dalton Schultz, you know. I've been telling people for a long time, I mean, I, I, I'm not a, I don't believe in this guy just because he went to Stanford. Because people would tell me, oh, I get it. You like him because he went to Stanford, that means you think he's smart. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, yeah, the fact that he went to Stanford... Obviously, that means he's smart because you got to be smart to get into Stanford. I mean, you could be the best football player in the nation, but if your grades are not good enough, they're not going to take you. So yeah, obviously Schultz is a, is a smart guy, but it's not it, it's not about it's not about where he went to school. Is the bottom line is he has he has good hands. He can play. So you know what? Let's use him. Let's give him I a don't, chance. I don't care how if you have a like six point two GPA, that doesn't mean you can play football. Um, but no, like the, I'm kind of surprised though, because it's not like he was originally supposed to be the guy or the starter. It was going to be Blake Jarner because Jason Wooden went to the Rays for a year, and now he stepped up phenomenal. He has great hands, and to me, it has nothing to do. With, oh, I don't care where you went to school. I don't care if you went to Sweet Home Alabama community college if you can play football and you can catch the ball and you're not just more just a receiving tight end then phenomenal and i'm going to continue to root for your success but not that's nothing for me it has nothing to do with where he went to school and for anybody that says that that doesn't make any sense we're complimenting him based on his play not in terms of his gpa yeah i mean you know he, you know he was a i believe he was a third he was a third round pick and well, what's what worries me about Schultz is he, he's in a contract year. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. I mean, you know, several players. I mean, you know, are gonna are in contract years. Schultz, Van Der Esch, I think, I think Paul. No, I think Pollard's probably in his third year because they usually sign these rookie. These rookies usually sign four year deals. So we're definitely gonna have to uh, find a way to retain Schultz. I mean, Schultz is gonna be needed as far as Van Der Esch goes. That's really tough. That that's really hard to tell because you know his last two years, but, but we'll, we'll see. But for Schultz, he's definitely really, you know, proving himself. And, and I really like what I'm seeing, you know, six catches for 79 yards. He averaged 13 yards per, per catch. And and, Coop, and Cooper only had three catches, but, you know, three catches for 60 yards and had that touchdown. You know, as far as Cooper goes, you know, if, if he doesn't have these 100-yard receiving games, it really doesn't bother me because, you know, at least if he's having catches and he's helping drive the offense down the field and then the running game also takes an effect, the bottom line is, He's part of the team. Like he's doing his part. Like I get it. He he's got an expensive contract, but you know, we're not gonna expect him to get 150 yards per catch for each game. I mean, I'd like to see a little more of that because we haven't seen seen that since week one. But but Cooper's doing just fine, if you ask me. But at the same time, it's game mm-hmm. because he's been playing hurt. We can't risk him being hurt to the point where he can't play because we need Coop. We need him. I mean. <sighs> Realistically, of course, he's not going to get, or he's. There's no way he's going to get four sessions for 100 yards per game because you have Wilson, you have Land, you have Cedric Wilson, you have the receiver you just talked about. So there's no way to able distribute a football to reach receiving and get 100 yards per game. You could look at the Rams though, but to your Van der Esch thing in this contract year, if I'm Dallas, if he continues to do what he does, don't resign him. He's just not consistent. He's not. That's the re- another reason why they they uh, turned Jalen Smith to uh, the Packers. I mean, this guy literally is six ten plus eight million dollars for for that type of defensive player in the market. That's not a whole lot. So what does that kind of tell in their confidence? Vanderish is a little bit better than him, but this really looking at the numbers, we don't have to go through all the numbers. Obviously, they'll take forever. But this guy is just so up and down, up and down, up and down. It's like 
you can't really afford to pay him. Do you want another DeMarcus Lawrence situation in terms of, oh, no, he get his contract, and then he gets hurt, and he's this, is it isn't consistent. So he's nice. It's like a more exciting, talented Sean Lee without as many injuries. And so I wouldn't pay him a long-term contract. Tony Pollard's in his third year, so we'll just see, see what happens. Well, a couple of facts from this game. Uh, check this out. Trayvon Diggs is the second player in team history to have an interception in each of the first five games, and he joins a guy named Don Bishop, who did that in 1961. And speaking of Zeke Elliott, he surpassed 100 rushing yards today, of course, and this is this was his 30th career 100-yard game. And the first time he has posted 100 yards in back-to-back games since that three-game winning streak in 2019. And, and of course, also today... Fourth consecutive game for Elliott with a rushing touchdown, and last time he did that was, you know, going back to last year, and Elliott sur- surpassed 100 scrimmage yards for the 47th time in his career, and that ties Michael Irvin for the third most games with 100 plus yards scrimmage yards in team history. So, this team really is, you know, making an impact, but you know, the you know they 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 got to keep it up at all costs. I mean, they definitely do. Now, the question is, I don't remember who they play next week, but if that's how they play against the Giants, let's see how they play after looking at their opponents the next couple of weeks. They're kind of – I think they'll be okay, even if the defense doesn't completely get it down if we look at past circle champions here because Washington, their defense is kind of up and down. Their quarterback play, again, is up and down. They said they play the Patriots. They're – they just barely beat the Texans today. Then they play the Vikings. So I wouldn't freak out just yet. I think they'll be just fine. Now, if that person got to start to do what did last year before the injury, then we may have a little bit of a problem. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are going to be fine. I mean, I, I think the reason why I'm a, I have these I have these little nerves about this game going against the Patriots is because the Cowboys just don't play well against New England. But, you know, Tom Brady's not there, and – the Patriot defense is unconvincing, but you know it's it's New England. The Cowboys just really never have any good luck against New England. But we'll see, we'll see. I mean, we just have to wait. But going watching this game, I mean, overall, like the way I watch football is I I do what like I do what what I like to call is psychological examination. Like I examine based on the psychology from this game. Like why would they call this play when you know? I mean, I did that a lot, obviously, when Jason Garrett was around. Because why would you run the ball on a third and on a third and freaking nine? I mean, come on! But but Kellen Moore, I mean, you know, when Kellen Moore you know became the offensive coordinator, and this dude is continuing to, to to really make a believer out of me because I another guy I doubted. I've doubted Kellen Moore, and and, and this, I mean, even though he's still he's obviously not perfect. No offensive coordinator is perfect. You know, as as far as Kellen Moore goes, like he's got to get rid of. Anything Jason Garrett told, like, because Jason Garrett's play calling, the old school conservative style, it's bad. You, I'm like, I would say, look, what, whatever Jason Garrett told you, like, yeah, you, you did, uh, develop your own style and do it the Martin Waterway football. Like, don't do use a traditional old school conservative style because the game is not like that anymore. Like, football evolves. You know, there's a reason why Nick Saban continues to have good years in, in Alabama because he changes the scheme as football evolves, okay? That's why Joe Paterno was was at Penn State for so long. But the bottom line is, you know, Kellen Moore really seems like he's making all these changes. Like, he's finally on his own. And, you know, he doesn't have... 
I can't confirm this, but a lot of people really believe that Garrett was really on on his back. I mean, I can't say that because you know, obviously, a lot of people didn't like Garrett, so obviously they're gonna do any they're gonna they're gonna say anything just to really to make Garrett look look bad. But but at this point, look, Garrett's been gone. You know, there's really no excuse. You know, like that. So don't think about him anymore. So, but Kellen Moore really overall is Kellen Moore's doing a good job, and he he needs to keep it up. I I mean he's done decent. I just think moving forward, like he played phenomenal against the Bucks, but moving forward, are we going to see them consistently give Zeke the ball and share the carries to Paul, or what happens later in the season once this season's going to affect him? And there's really only two to three playoff spots left, or maybe one or two left in the NFC. With now the Cardinals are five and zero for a great start since nineteen whatever it was, and so I think they'll be. Fine for now, but I don't. I don't think he's really proven just yet that you can put up the great numbers, but you can also need to put a win with the great numbers to really for me to be considered like proven because he really hasn't like what you call left your mark really just yet as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kellen Moore's been developing. You know, it it, it takes I would say it takes very well half a freaking decade. To be further developed into like being a well-experienced offensive coordinator, you know he started at the bottom, he's working his way up, and he's doing fine. So obviously, there's still some. Every now and then, of course, there's questionable play calling, but you know it's all part of the learning process. And, and Moore is 33 years old, so he's not like he's not, it's not like he's one of those dudes who's been in the league for 20 years, you know, who's been in college football, who's done that, you know. He's building, so you know it's so you know I mean, yeah, I mean the the dude's making progress, and you know. Let's let him see how things go forward, and it'll be fine. But, but now I'm looking at the NFC East standings. So the Cowboys are four and one. There's a tie between the Washington Football Team and the Eagles at two and three. The Eagles beat the Panthers today, so the Eagles snapped a three-game losing streak. Unfortunately for Washington, they they lost to the Saints, and you know the Cowboys have scored the most points. While you know, and here's some, something that's actually really something you you really don't see. The Cowboys have allowed the least amount of points in the NFC East. I mean, how often do you see the Cowboys in a category where they've allowed the least amount of points, especially in the NFC East? I, I, I can't remember the last time if there has been one in my lifetime, to be honest with you, Alex. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know I'm, I'm going to tell you something. When we hired Dan Quinn, and I got on my show, and I actually said that it was a good hire, people were just all over. Like, like, like really just telling me that I'm... That I'm dead ass wrong. I'm full of it. I'm like, because when people think of Dan Quinn, you know, what is the thing that they're always gonna think of when it thinks when they comes to Dan Quinn? Even though they should be thinking about his days with Seattle, what do they, what do they think of? The twenty eight to three and how your defense could hasn't been able to do anything. Yeah. Look, unfortunately, that's something that Dan Quinn has to live with. It's, it's unfortunately that's on his record. It's never gonna go away. But you know what? Here's what I would tell people. It's okay. Dan Quinn's time with Atlanta, unfortunately, yeah, he was 0-5. He got fired. His Atlanta defense was bad. Look, things went bad in Atlanta. But you know what? Dan Quinn has something that, that everybody needs every once in a while. A fresh start. A fresh start. And, you know, and I was really, you know, rather than being so negative and living in the free, and being stuck in the past, why don't we just focus on the future? Let's see what the guy can do. Dan Quinn did, did good in Seattle. But, of course, you're saying, well, that was Seattle. He had players like, you know what? Let's see what he can do in Dallas. And Dallas has some weapons on defense. They made some free agent signings. And Dan mm-hmm. Quinn is doing a good job so far. You know, forcing the turnovers. I mean, that's been something huge. 
So now, mind you, in Seattle, a lot of those players were low draft picks. Just one or one guy was undrafted, so it's not like these guys were proven. But to your point, though, again, one of the other reasons why he was terrible in Atlanta was that the organization, the GM, they were all lying to the fans. They were either trying to figure out are they playoff ready contention or are they trying to rebuild. And when you're in that business situation of losing all your players on defense, trading Julio Jones, it's kind of like what situation do you put yourself in? He's played good so far, but uh, let's kind of see. I feel like it's a week 14 or week 15. Yeah, totally. But so far, you know, you know, I really had no much reason to really bury the Cowboys today. But, I mean, the, the defense still, you know, having some issues. But, you know what, like I said, you know, the defense is not going to be 100% perfect. But, overall, there's really nothing to complain. So, the Cowboys beat the Giants 44-20. to And do you have any uh, a- a- anything else you want to say on this game? I mean, I think Dallas moving forward, their offense is playing really well. If defense man digs, sees something special. They declare obviously some things in terms of the passing attack defense in terms of their corners, but I mean the office is doing really well. And plus, you look at that that game that really does help them. I will say though, I did. I'm one of the very rare people that actually picked um, the Eagles to win today. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean that, that's got, that's got to feel good. And and last thing I want to say about Dak, yeah, he had that early interception, he had that fumble, but you know what? He made up for them. Big time. A huge throw to, to CeeDee Lamb, you know, for that touchdown. A couple of great connections with Schultz and Amari Cooper. I mean, to see Dak Prescott overcome these early mistakes, I mean, I'm telling you, this is a this is a Dak Prescott we had never seen before. Because what we saw last year is when Prescott made mistakes, the pressure just kept mounting and he couldn't go through it. You know, of course, you know, the offensive line the Cowboys have is actually doing fine. So, but still, Dak Prescott, he, he can't help but praise the guy. I mean, you know, he went from all that pressure, he just turned it around just like that. He said, all right, it's early in the game. I made mistakes. And, and he he, ad- he admitted that part of the mistakes was because he got scared because, you know, obviously this this is the game that it's one year removed from that injury. So it's understandable that maybe he had a little bit of uh, nightmarish flashbacks. I mean, I mean, you know, like I said, I've never been in, in his position, you know, when I suffer an injury like that and it's a year later. So, but it doesn't matter. The bottom line is he turned it around and, he, and the way the game ended, he, he had a great game. Now, they did play great there, but the problem is moving forward, just like how it turned out maybe a little bit last year the before, is that I'm not sure Dak Prescott and this offense can continue to do that to where he can continue to overcome the mistakes game after game after game because soon later those mistakes are going to be too much to overcome and deep in the season when the playoff rankings and the last chance to get into the playoffs are set. So if they can clean out those mistakes, they'll be, they be fine. But if they continue to make those tiny mistakes – those tiny mistakes add up, and Dallas definitely doesn't want that. No, totally not. But but going forward, you know, it's going to be tough against the Patriots, but I think the Cowboys should be fine. And, uh, you know, they got the bye week coming up. So, you know, if they can take care of business and go into the bye week, you know, on a good note, then, you know, there's really not too much to worry about. I mean, there isn't a whole lot to worry about. If I go back to look at, I think, how – I'm looking up right now how Mac Jones played. I mean, guaranteed that was a very interesting game to say at least going into halftime. But I think if you look at Mac Jones and his numbers overall against the team today, I mean, this guy, I mean, it was average, 223 for 30, so not a ton of mistakes. But 
I mean, Dallas, of course, you're going to play very well against the Patriots. And so the Patriots are still trying to find their identity as a team, as an offense, second year without Tom Brady, and it's still looking a little bit rough. Yeah. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, Cowboys Talk is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Mr. Alcorn, I want to thank you so very much for coming on the show to recap the game between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. And I can't wait to have you back on in the future, my friend. Definitely, let's do it, man. Can't wait.